0: Welcome to Season 3 of the Gamers Change Lives Podcast, Esports 101, Building a Business. Over the past year, we've talked with many esports professionals around the world. Our audience knows how to play games, and now they're eager to level up their skills in the business arena. This season aims to equip every esports entrepreneur with practical and useful knowledge to achieve success. Think of it as a mini course, Esports 101. And now your host... Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the
1: Gamers Change Lives podcast, where we talk about how esports can create jobs anywhere in the world. Play games, create jobs, change lives. In season one, we talked about jobs. In season two, we talked about follow the money. We talked about sponsorship, we talked about investment. And now in season three, we're talking a little bit more about business basics here. Esports 101. Really glad to have, all the way from Germany, Hendrikia Bogder. Who uh, whose name I didn't completely mangle <laughs> there. Uh, welcome, Hendrikia.
2: Hi. So glad to where, be here. Where are, you, where are you speaking to us from? So I'm, I'm Munich. And, um, well, yeah, it's Munich.
1: Have you always lived there?
2: No, I actually moved there about uh, almost 20 years ago. But um, I really... Um, like it now. It really took me some time because it's a big city and I was really coming from a countryside, but, uh, now I love it.
1: What's the esports world like in Munich?
2: Well, there's not a lot of esports happening in general in Germany. I mean, there are some, uh, things that are starting now. Uh, some players were even coming from, from Germany, right? But the most of them are playing in international teams now. And um, in general, there are some some really cool teams, especially for League of Legends. Like one brand that came up, with, which is called uh, Eintracht Spandau which uh, is a project that was created along with a, a marketing company, actually with an agency. So um, they're pretty successful right now. Great,
1: great. So, what was your journey into um, esports and gaming? Did it, is, we, we talked to people? It's like, oh, it started out with the PS One. It's like, uh, so, so. Uh, What's your what was your journey like?
2: So the first time that I ever engaged with gaming was like in in second grade, where where was where one of one of my um one of my friends was bringing this uh, Game Boy in school, uh, with um with (laughs) with I can't even remember what the game was. I think it was uh like Red October, right? That one, Red October, yeah. Yeah, and that was the first time I was like, oh, what's that? It's really that's really interesting, and then all along I was playing like all the consults that uh, all my friends had because I wasn't allowed one not at all, and um I definitely uh stayed gaming all along. I was playing shooters like uh counter strike I even started um playing i wanted to play in the league at the very first counter strike when it kind of came up in like small groups were farming and so on, but that was a really interesting journey, especially because they didn't—they weren't so accepting back then if you had a girl in the team. So I didn't follow. I I didn't pursue this one.
1: So how do you, um, because uh, being a mother there, how do you, uh, how do you see your 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 kids, your children, as far as them coming into uh, playing? Games is that something you're going to be encouraging? Are you going to be let them go at their own rate, or what, what do you just picture happening there? Sorry, this is completely off the topic, but I'm always curious about how people work with their children.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my son, he's 18 now, and he was always, of course, very curious um, into anything that had to do with gaming, and then esports as well. So he uh, started streaming as well, and um, he was or he's currently still um, looking to get into F1 um, into the um, E league there still uh, looking to get into that Uh, just made a race I think the uh, yesterday where he didn't quite make it but I was always encouraging that and was actively looking how to you know how to engage with gaming how how much do you play what do you play Uh, what's happening there what's the culture around that what is dangerous um, how, how much, when would you do? Definitely turn off. And um, so, what What do you, if you're, everyone at some point started making videos, um, uh, looking to maybe, you know, get it to YouTube, get into streaming. And uh, most of the parents were like, oh, no, they can't do this. I'm not actually encouraging it. And um, I think in the first 20 streams that he did, I was always there, was being the mod, looking what happened there, and was also actually, Always encouraging on um, his his goals. It's
1: it's a relatively unusual story. We usually hear we usually hear it's like, "No, they had to give this." But um, here, uh, Solo in um, Nigeria, she had the best solution to this. She's she, she and her son did a, an Instagram video of her son explaining to her why esports was more than just playing games. I thought, wow, that's that's a really clever that I was like, well, you should be doing more of those videos of of kids explaining to their parents so then they can share with other their parents out there.
2: In 2015, I was um working for a for a media company or basically it's a it's a software hardware company called Avid. And I was um actually trying to get into esports at that time, like in Germany, trying to develop the market along with them which also kind of didn't work out because the market still hasn't formed that well. Um, but even back then, I was like, esports, this is not just, you know, some people playing video games and uh, it's, it's basically the the next form of, it's basically the next, maybe an evolution of what we see in sports today. And it's basically the next thing. And I definitely was uh, was always trying, trying to support that, but not push or anything, you know? Yeah little kids right children in general they kind of can get very um very sad when things don't work out if they're not the next youtube star so it kind of yes. it has to be right it's really a balancing thing all all the time
1: it's a, another life lesson right there so yeah i wanted to talk a little bit um because one of the things i saw um on your linkedin profile was something that really caught my eye you're talking about Building startups is the thing that I love. Connecting those with storytelling is where I get excited. Combining both and adding AI on top, and I'm on fire. That that's that really caught my eye, and I want to go through some of that with you because we're talking here to esports entrepreneurs around the world that are either already have a startup or are looking to start a startup. And I thought it'd be interesting to get your first of all, get your definition of what what is a startup and why is a startup different than maybe opening a a food store, or opening a retail shop, or maybe that's a startup as well. What do you think of when you think of a startup? What makes it different?
2: I believe that innovation is kind of at the core of a startup. At some point, if you go somewhere and you're like, ah, oh, I wish I had that thing. And then if you develop around this idea and discover there are maybe more twenty more people, twenty thousand more people, maybe two million, um, then this. Is uh, maybe an idea uh, worth developing and um, farming and and thinking about? What what? How can we help uh, people that encourage the same problem that it that encounters the same problem? And I think this is kind of a little bit different than kind of you know opening a food store because you you kind of know what's happening there. You kind of know okay what do I need to do at a startup? You basically run all the time and you have no idea what you're doing. You kind of make up stuff while you go and changing. Stuff all along, and this is probably very, very, very exciting.
1: I, th- I would hear you saying there: one has a roadmap, and the other one doesn't have a roadmap.
2: Yes, yes. So when when you work in in areas, for for example, let's take media, you kind of know what the what the area is, what maybe a media company would need to do their daily things and so on. So if you if you go into this, but if you develop a, like a new market that is, you know, in gaming where new things are coming up all along. We You had a different culture around certain topics like three years ago. It's so fast. And you have to adjust uh, all the way. That's, I think, what's kind of make, makes the difference.
1: Yeah, it makes it more interesting. Makes it more exciting. Yes. So when when you, the startups that you've been involved with, can you describe maybe a little bit about the mindset of people who are successful in startups?
2: I believe that people who have an attitude of, uh, I can take care of that. I can do this. Uh, let me handle that. This kind of thing. When you think about solving problems all the time, I think this is where you have a really, really good people that will help you uh, build the thing that you want to do. You will always encounter people that are really, really good at describing problems and knowing why things don't work. In a certain way, like why I don't know, why you cannot do this and certain reasons, why it's absolutely not possible. But this is not helpful. I probably know (laughs) I will I will find out what doesn't work. But it's really interesting to find out what could work. And I think when you when you have people surrounding you that are not thinking all the time about, you know, what's stopping you, but instead how you can make this possible. I think this when you when you have a really you have people with a really good mindset that will help it.
1: The positive attitude helps yeah. for all kinds of things, but yeah, no one, no has been a successful entrepreneur that was always running away from problems, or not, they're not one for very long. What do you think? Uh, some of the hardest things are for a startup. If you're someone, if you're talking to someone about wanting to go and and create a startup or something like that, what are some of the hardest things that they're that they should be aware of going into a new? Mm, the
2: at some point, you will have an idea and you will think, oh, maybe I should do this. And then then it gets interesting. You you will either have the possibility to kind of get started right away, even if you cannot code, maybe you find someone who can do this, or you will have in your mind lots of road blockers, like this is reason one why I cannot get started. Uh, maybe I do this at a later time and so on. So first of all, thinking about all the kind of road blockers that come ahead instead of making it kind of possible. And uh, then the other one is that I see a lot of time that when you start it on your idea and then you invest a year, let's say, and then you find out it kind of is not working this way. What do you do? Do you are you going to pivot into another into another area? Like throw away everything that you have, maybe not completely throw it away, but throw it away? pivot? Or are you staying in this road and trying to make it work because you have already invested so much of your time, maybe of your money and so on. And this is now completely like, don't think of resources. Of course, not everyone has the same resources, but I think it's again, like a mindset thing. Like when, when do you, when you stop pursuing what you have and uh, look into another area?
1: What do you think was the hardest thing for you in doing in being involved in startups? And I'm not looking for some super secret (laughs) Then just, just, just things that come to mind that were like, wow, I didn't realize it was going to, this was going to be that hard.
2: It's always the team for, for me. And I, and, and I've been talking to so many people and it's, you think it will be so hard to build the product or, you know, to, to get the code being stable or to sell? And it turns out making code, if you get, get the right people on board and it's, um, it kind of works, Like you, you can make that work you you can make so many things work. You can make technology work. You can make design work, all the things that you can do. But if you don't have the right team on board, you cannot make this work in no case. It's not working. There's no way that you can kind of, you know, work around um, a team that just doesn't harmonize, that just doesn't, you know, work well together or inspire each other. And instead, you know, when you have them on a call, you, you, you realize, oh, this is so draining. You cannot work around this. And this is this is definitely one of the things that I didn't realize was that hard. I th- thought this was the easiest part.
1: Where do you find people to join? Uh, not not the particular people that you were describing there, but in general, where can where can entrepreneurs find other people <clears throat> that that will work well with them?
2: I believe that if you are in a community with like minded people, uh, and for me, for example, it was Discord. So there are, there are people on my Discord that are just cool they're they're awesome they're building stuff they're really cool they work immensely they put so much money in time not not money but they put so much time in there um and this is just uh, this is just part of a community right and for for uh, us in general what really worked was mostly kind of work relationships when you've already worked with someone really well and uh, you know, oh, this this person's so great in sales. He was my colleague ten years ago. I remember how well he did. So this is maybe maybe this may be a good point when you realize that someone was really you you had a good time working with that. It was fun, they were doing great things. And I think this is uh this is a great uh base for working together in a startup, especially if you share more than just your work relationship. Like uh, if you if you have uh, if you really enjoy the company of the person because they're just cool. Maybe you like to play together. Maybe you like making music together. And, uh, it's, it's so much easier because you will find ways of working around a uh, complications, working around like when you, when you have an argument or so, you will find a solution because you really like the person instead of it's just a work relationship where you're like, ah, oh, this person, hi, I hope we don't talk tomorrow or so, right? You want to find a solution and, uh, and I think. This- that's
1: really good to hear. It's really good to hear. Cause one of the things that I'm a big believer on is you, you surround your peep, you surround yourself with people you like to su- be around. I mean, mm-hmm. and if you, if you don't, if you don't, it's not on them. It's on you. I mean, you're the one that gets to decide that in the long run. So, you yes. know, don't, you know, if you're, if, well, you know, if you work for a big company, you don't always, have, if you're an entrepreneur, you always have a choice. So there's no reason to have people around you that, and that's what I, I hear you saying. There's like, no, pick the people because even, the other thing we're kind of reading in here is like, even the amount may not be the best fit technically, or they may not have the perfect skill set that you're like, oh, you know, in your, in your startup plan that you need someone that can do this, this, they can do the, a little bit of it, but they're just, uh, they just add so much to it on a personal level. It, it, am I, do I have that right?
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I believe that you can, you can probably teach almost any skill, especially when you are like in an early phase, but you tackle like on a really really broad level and you have to have someone who's, who has a broad knowledge like a generalist right but if they're really good people then you you will find ways that you like you know energize each other find ideas together you could always you can always teach skills but if if the if this person is just really good in one thing and they're just brilliant but he's really hard to work with uh then you know then it's impossible to get something started
1: yes yes and the biggest question of all in any kind of startup is where do you get the money? Like what, what are the, what are the kinds of sort? I mean, I'm not asking for your particular you know, situation there right now, but in general, uh, an entrepreneur, where should they, where could they be looking for money? And, and, uh, I guess I'm also kind of asking how much money does it take to create a startup?
2: Surprisingly, it was uh way less for us, um, than I believed. <laughs> and in, and- one of the things that I only learned during the last year, because, uh, the, the, the project that, uh, we, we have like hybrid, it's, it started as a community project. So there wasn't lots of like investing. It was just, you know, time investing. But then if you, if you look into, okay, I need to maybe get servers. I need to get a platform where I can host my application and so on. Uh, I realized that there are actually cool prog- pro- pro- uh, programs out there, like from Google where you get credits for a year uh and so many other applications where you can actually pretty comfortably build your tech stack for a year without paying anything. So there are really, really nice um programs that out there. So this is not really just fundraising in a way that you get money on your table, but for, you know, building an idea if it's just pure digital, that this was made really easy in the meantime, I believe. Because I had another project maybe 10 years ago. That was hard. One of the reasons was like getting Salesforce thing, like a bunch of money. Would I know I worked in an Excel sheet rather like 10 years ago. But uh, this was made pretty easy. But in general, I think maybe the best source of getting money for the startup is if you already have like a semi-working thing, if you're able to sell it, this is the best money source, of course. You can sell it in any way, um. And I mean, then apart from that, if you really want to look into like fundraising, this uh, I mean, that's the that's a hard part, right? Yes,
1: yes. No one has the the perfect solution, the perfect answer. The you know, it works differently for different ones. And we're talking to one of the things that we're talking to uh, Mohammed Karar in at launch Africa about in VC uh, investment in Africa. And I've always kind of had the impression that here's the VCs. They're always looking to say no to everything. It's just the opposite. They're, they spend an incredible amount of time looking for the ones they can say yes to. They want to say yes, but they need to find the right one that is a fit for them and they, and so on. So there's, there is money out there, I think, but it's also not an easy thing to, uh, to come across in creating a startup. How important is it to have an exit plan? Or maybe maybe another way to think of it is how important is it to have a really long term um, uh, uh, plan on things? Or is it better just to, hey, let's jump in and see where we go?
2: I think at some point you have to have in mind how you are going, how you plan to go on with your startup. Because you maybe you, you start, you realize, okay, I um, this is a great product. I can move forward with this. And then it's the question. So do you want to, is is your intention to maybe sell this at some point? Do you want to exit this in like three years, five years, seven years? Do you want to work on this? Is this going to be your life business for the next t- 10 to 15 years? What is it going to be? Do you want to make it super, super big? Then you definitely need to look for funds, right? Uh, if you want to work on this like long term, 10, 15 years, maybe you don't even need fund. Maybe you just need time. And I think it's really important how to, um what's your plan with the startup is and what you want to do with it. Because this will make uh, the the things that happen after the first time that you realize this is a good product, this will determine how you have to move forward with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyone goes in with too long of a time frame out there, but but still, it's one of the things I keep telling over and over again in esports: is think long term. Don't think mm-hmm. don't think too short because you will you will be caught in a lot of difficult situations that way. Moving on, I also want to talk about storytelling because you talk about storytelling I'm a huge believer in storytelling what's the value of being a good storyteller in business you mean if uh can you repeat that what's the what's the value what's 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 the reason to be a good st- storyteller in business
2: makes everything so much easier because when you're able to tell a story instead of uh telling about all the facts why this is really good then it makes uh it's it's so much easier it's more it's, there there are studies out there that actually prove that when you're telling stories they're 22 times more uh, memorable so if you tell a story maybe about a person that started in esports how you enabled them and what happened after that and what's what was the outcome and maybe even add a little bit of emotional things into this journey people will remember that they will they will they will keep this thing in their mind because we're wired to remember stories and if, if you if you're uh, if you need to market your company, if you have to go out there and tell anyone, everyone about your startup, it's making it so much easier to get one story, tell it really good, repeat, 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 because we people will remember the story instead of just some random startup that does a thing that I can't even remember five minutes later.
1: I remember having a boss in retail, and one of the things I at least I realized she was telling the same story over and over and over. We were kind of a little startup within a larger organization we were doing mail order and she kept telling i kept hearing the same story over and over and over again and i thought man this is kind of annoying but then it clicked it's like that's why she was able to get all these other people on board because she had a story and she honed it over time and and so she was able to figure it out how do people
2: get better at telling stories basically if you tell it over and over again (laughs) that's the thing you have to tell it over and over and over again and then you it's a little bit like pitching so when you when you start your pitch, you, you start pretty much crappy, right? And then with the stories, it's pretty much the same because you realize at some point, okay, this works, especially if you tell stories in front of an audience, one people, three people, five people, you will see how you have to, to adjust with one person or with a group of people. And uh, you you get better over time. The more often you tell it, the, the easier it gets. Can you Generally. talk a little bit about that?
1: I mean, that's really interesting. You're talking about talking to one person versus talking to three people or more how do you approach that differently
2: if you're just talking to one person i think you can get a little bit more uh like like a little bit more into the detail more more emotional more tailoring in for the one person well if you talk to a group you have to find a more um a more generalized like em- emotion that you that you kind of have there in in the audience right if it, even if it's just like calling it in the audience even if it's just five people three people then it's a little bit it's a little different because stories only work if they're relevant uh, for you, uh, and if they're relatable, right? Relevant and relatable. These two things. If I tell you a, a story, maybe about uh, something that has to do with shoes, and you really don't like shoes, then maybe it's not that relevant. But if it tackles something about your family, then maybe it's good, right? If I, especially if I know that this is something uh, that that you that you would respond to, and if 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 the if the stories are relevant and relatable to a broader audience then, uh, and you know that like in gaming you can kind of you know tackle certain points for example and this uh, th- that's this maybe the, the difference of the tailoring it. One of the
1: most interesting characters or job positions I think in esports is the shoutcaster. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the person who's out there you know the commentator has to you know, and to me, it's just, it's so fast. It's even fascinating to listen to them in other languages that I don't understand because just, just their excitement is just so, uh, so out there. So, so there's some really good examples of people who are you know, super good storytelling. And I think a lot of that just comes naturally. Some people are, are, are more prone to be a good shoutcaster. I'd be a horrible shoutcaster here. So can you tell us a little bit about the story? Cause I want to talk a little bit about hype rate. Can you talk, tell a little bit about the story that you tell you know, about hype rate?
2: One story that I tell that uh, everyone about me knows already is how the idea was actually conceived. It was uh, my son that was, who uh, was streaming at that time and he uh, got an Apple Watch just uh, after Christmas, which was my old one, and he wanted to get his heart rate, his life heart rate on stream with his Apple Watch, of course, and it was, it turned out to be so hard. Like the apps that we tried was like, we wanted to throw away everything out the window because it really didn't work. And then, um, then my partner who has been working with this agency for more than 20 years, developing applications uh, and so on, uh, he was like, it can't be that hard. It can't be that hard to get your heart rate and put it on a screen, right? Okay, let's, let's work on this. And it was during the pandemic. Right, so over a weekend project because no one could get out anyway. Uh he was he was working uh with, with a friend uh on the code and he, it was done by Monday. We tested it. It was like okay, wow. Actually wow. pretty easy. <laughs> it was over a weekend. That was pretty rough. And then after like some iterations afterwards, we were like, hmm, maybe I mean, you can't be the only one wanting that. Uh we experimented a bit and uh, we then put out a beta version, made a post on Reddit. The post performed really well. Then suddenly we had uh, three, 4,000 testers. And uh, we're thinking about, okay, so how do we release that then afterwards? Because you can have a maximum of 10,000 testers. <laughs> and this is basically how it happened.
1: So what, yeah, can you describe a little bit more? You you, you tested it there, but what exactly does, does Hyperate do? For the, the person who is using it, because I, I I now have it on my on my mm-hmm. watch here because uh, from our conversation the other day. So I have the companion here and so on. So but and, you know, if I put it on Twitch, you know, the two people that ever watched me on Twitch would actually get to see my heart rate and that wouldn't be all that exciting for them. But uh, c- can you describe a little bit more about what it is that hype rate does?
2: Yes. So uh hybrid um, enables to integrate your real time heart rate into basically any form of medium. It can be Twitch. Like you just get a link from your app, right? So if you have an Apple Watch, you can download Hybrid and press start. Then you get a link and uh, can put this in OBS as a browser source, and then there you have your heart rate there. And uh, the audience can can see this. All the people that would watch you see your yeah. There we go. <laughs> Pretty good. And you, you could put this up on Twitch. It would be so cool if I could see your rate here during, during this podcast. I,
1: I, I don't know. You know, Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's not a bad thing. So one of the things this watch does is, um, I mean, it does everything, but it does an EKG. It's like, yes. you can do an EKG. And, and I'm like, I do not want to do an EKG. What if it says something bad? It's like, then, <laughs> you know, I do not want to know that kind of stuff. But sorry to interrupt. Keep going.
2: <laughs> of course. Yeah, so... If you, if you, if you're streaming, for example, what it basically does is that I would emotionally, I would feel a bit closer to you. If you play a horror game and you get really scared, I'm like, Oh my God, your heart rate just went up 120. I hope you're good. I hope you're well. <laughs> and, uh, wow, we're so scared. You kind of feel with the other people a bit more because we're so limited to this like small a uh, square that we see from each other and the digital experiences that we have here get more and more. Livestreaming is so important. So um, this makes it a little bit easier to feel with you. is just one of the things that we're currently looking at. This is how we started, right? But currently we are uh, looking to integrate um your real-time heart rate data and it can be biometric data from face as well into games, for example, so that when you're playing the game, let's say, a horror game, your uh, heart rate, uh, the, the game could respond to your real-time heart rate and get you more enemies, less enemies, understand when you need to rest and so on and make it basically, like, um, yeah, attractive.
1: Can we? Can it be integrated into the game itself? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's like you could, so, so you could be like, if if you're more excited, then, then you're in trouble, so you need more helpers. On your team, or however it's structured, or if you're really calm, then you don't get as much help. However, whatever makes sense, it can be actually integrated that way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we already have a, a an integration with Unity, Unreal is uh, also going to be released, I think, um, in the next few weeks, and uh, Godot, old for Unreal one more Indie, and uh, there are already some some people developing like games right now, where I'm super super excited uh,
1: to to see this. How important is it that people um, become more aware of health? information as they're playing games I mean heart heart rate is one of them but you know just just in general to kind of key in on, on, on your well-being are people I, I guess it, that's not a really good question because it's like yeah everyone should be worried about their well-being it's like that's a that's kind of a given are you seeing that people are becoming more interested in um, taking care of themselves and and having this kind of information out there
2: yes so I and also from some people from our community it's definitely helping because you maybe start adding your heart rate on your stream for fun and after a time you realize oh my resting heart rate is actually kind of high mm-hmm. and then people will tell you oh it's actually kind of high and you realize maybe i'm maybe i need to maybe i need to do something about this um uh, am i actually feeling good and this happens to, to many of our streamers and they start, suddenly started making uh, getting into sports like do some training um and so on and i think it's uh, why we kind of introduce it playfully, I think it's incredibly important because we are playing games is I, I love playing games, but on the other hand, it's kind of you, you sit you sit there and it's not very healthy do that and it's very important to have that awareness for your your health and how much how you actually feel because uh, especially when when you when you when you are so much into gaming and we all work, many of us just you know work. A chair, we sit all day. There's not a lot of going out, and games don't encourage that as well, right? So um, it's it's really important to keep this uh, to keep this in mind. And this what I love that we kind of you know put this heart rate on there. Even even if you just even if you're just watching, it kind of it puts it there, and it's right there. I think it's uh, it's, it's it's definitely important, especially in esports as well. The these uh, these are athletes that uh, have to take care of their health just as any other athlete. And they are training hard. So they're like seriously training for 12 hours. And this, uh, of course, if you're in like a, um, if you're more professionally, then people will have an eye on the health. But all the way up there, who's watching you? This needs definitely on their mind. It's important that
1: people people take care of themselves because that's the, um, I mean, it sounds really simplistic, but it's like no one else is going to necessarily, unless you are a professional athlete, you've got, you know, all these people Helping you out because you're, you're you're such a valuable part of the team. But for the for ninety for the hundred <laughs> percent rest of us out there, it's like no. It's it's important that we use the tools that we have out there. So what's what's the future for hype rate? What what else do you see coming uh, into the program there down the road?
2: Definitely, I would uh, definitely love to see it more in gaming. To to see uh, like in, the interactive uh, experiences and uh, in, like like yeah personalized experiences. See, see it there. Like maybe VR, of course, is interesting. Uh, gaming is interesting. And, um, I also en- uh, see, enjoy seeing like health applications or meditation, for example, where, um, some gaming applications are used, maybe even in VR and you get your support, basically. So the heart rate then supports your VR experience where you meditate, where you really try to relax and so on. And it's uh, kind of built in a game where you kind of, you know, Enjoy it a little bit more than just sitting there and be like, okay, I need to breathe in, breathe out. So that's what Have
1: I you, If you worked with any meditation apps?
2: Like with Hybrid or like me myself?
1: Yeah, with Hybrid. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they, there's, uh, there are two projects currently out there with students that are currently looking into the effects of meditation and how it affects the heart rate over a longer time and some medical applications uh, there as well. Which I really can't wait to see the results. Because I probably, you know, it will probably be very easy to measure. But in VR, maybe it's a different thing.
1: How will it be different in VR, do you think? Because I I am no expert on VR. So I'm always curious what other people that have more, more experience. How will it be different in VR, do you think?
2: I don't know. It could be. I wonder if you actually are able to calm down as much. When you're wearing a VR headset, if you really are able to relax just as you would when you maybe go outside and have a meditation session there, when you are, you know, with yourself in in a calm room, or if it's even just, you know, supporting just a lot more compared to being with yourself and having to calm down, maybe it's even just more effective is what I'm really curious about. If it's not helping so much or if it's super much if it's like really good
1: are there other people doing the same thing are there other apps out there like yours
2: for for hybrid yeah of course there, there are well, if, if there would be no one that would be weird Um the well, there's especially like a, another uh, company that is only focused on integrating it into streams but well, i definitely see a, a broader broader way to integrate the uh, biometric data of people because you know I, I love making this. I love connecting your analog being to the digital world. And I think this is something that is sometimes missing, like the human connection and making it more, um, yeah, making, making it more individualized.
1: Could you talk a little bit about the difference between maybe, um, working with Apple versus working with on um, working with iOS versus working with Android as far as putting, putting, let's say if you're out there and you want to, you want to put a, an app out there unleash it on the world. I always hear that Apple uh, makes it really, really tough, but that's where all the business comes from. And Android makes it really, really simple, but it you you don't get as much out of it. Um, and maybe I'm just making that up. What, what's been your experience on the difference between going with iOS and Android?
2: It's pretty much the same. So we also had a really hard time getting the app out there. Um, we The original version of the app was actually a bit different so the um apple watch app and the uh, ios application they were tied together it was basically just one and the companion app would install um itself Uh we basically had to uh, split them to being able to push uh, the app out there it took us a lot of time but now that we have it everything's everything's great yeah uh, with android it's a bit different. So we basically created the app and we pushed it out there and it worked immediately. So there, there's not this huge process of checking on like quality standards and so on where Apple is really into the detail of what an app does, what kind of informations are retrieved, what are we doing with the information, is everything in place? Um, and I actually value this, I have to say, is because for me, as I see it from the other perspective as a user, it's just why I love having an iPhone and so on, because it's so much harder to get some um, malicious applications uh, to the, to the app store is with Android. You don't have these processes and it's very easy to put your app out there.
1: And do you see um, from a development side, is it, is the time you're seeing that it takes a lot longer to do it on Apple. And the reason I'm asking is for, for anyone else that's out there is like, Oh, we're going to put an app we're going to do a tournament. And so we want to create an app for our esports tournament and we want to unleash it on the world and it's like oh yeah this is this sounds really easy to do but not going to be able to do it in a weekend like you did so the, so the development time would you say uh, to put to get it on the apple um the apple marketplace versus the um android marketplace can you kind of give us a feel for how
2: how long that took in, in general by the way was it like weeks or it, months or to to, to put it this this really depends. Like from from a development perspective, it's actually easier to develop for Apple, I believe, compared to to Android, because you you have and you basically if something goes wrong, you kind of know why. So it's it's a lot easier to do this from the point that your app is 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 ready to deploy and basically put it put it on the market. It can take like one week. It can take four weeks. I had some friends where it took three months. To get it, to get it really from the point that the app was ready to get it approved by Apple, uh, to officially avail- available on the App Store where they had it already out there on Android for three months.
1: But Do you find that, uh, the, uh, on, on Apple, uh, you get better, uh, better business, better, um, you, you get more business from Apple than from Android?
2: Yes. Also for, for our case, we just recently looked into the user numbers as well and um from 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 that perspective and maybe it's because we were especially looking to target the users that had their apple watches and so on because we were the only one that were able to do that what we do so from from a business perspective these are definitely the users that i love (laughs) a lot and from uh which you know but Android is Android is a little bit different for for so so many reasons because the users are using their phones completely differently. They are having d- different uh, they they approach their whole user experience differently, and they have different requirements of what they want from an app and how how it should work. So um, definitely, I would I would I would also support this and say that where where business comes from Apple. Do you think that esports people that play games on Apple
1: versus Android? Do you think it's a different audience out there, not just for hybrid, but just in general for esports? Would you say it's a different audience for one versus the other? Or is it pretty much the same? Do you think
2: this this would be this this would be? I would have to guesstimate, really, because what would be the difference between someone who plays Android and uh, who plays Apple, right? If they if they're just you know gaming, if there's no like a business or anything afterwards where they have would have to go through several um, ways of you know getting their subscriptions through the uh, stores I mean now how would there be a different I wouldn't I wouldn't know if the audiences is uh, differently it would be it would be interesting
1: yeah yeah just curious if you had any 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 information on it last thing I want to talk about here before we run out of time is I want to talk about AI because AI I mean everyone has an opinion about AI and and I, it's just amazing how many people I talk to. I talk to people in Italy, I talk to people in Africa that use chat GBT, you know, every day. You know, I use chat GBT quite a bit here, just kind of for the fun side of it as well. And so a lot of people, me included, think when we think of AI, we think of chat GPT. but you have a little bit more experience maybe than, than some of the rest of us. What, what's happening with AI in your part of the world?
2: The interesting thing is that while You're looking on LinkedIn, it looks like everyone now is a chat GPT expert, maybe a prompt engineer, especially if you have those people in the bubble. And it looks like everyone's so aware of what's happening with AI. And then if you look into the general public, and I'm just, you know, talking to people that you find on train stations, which I do for some reason, uh, they Many have no many have no clue, and it's it's like oh okay so you can do this and that with AI oh it's amazing, and it's uh, it's interesting that there's such a difference of um, basically knowledge around this topic, while it's so very important to for everyone to understand what the capabilities of AI currently are, and uh, what it could mean for the near and far future. There,
1: do you think it's operating differently in Europe, meaning that? I think there's, there's going to be restrictions in, you know, with privacy and things like that in Europe that we don't have here in the United States and maybe don't have in a lot of other parts of the world. Is Europe being more, um, conservative on, on how to step into AI?
2: From that, what I, what I, what I hear from people, I would assume yes, because one of the biggest fears is how is the data being used that we put there and, um, who, who's going to take care of that? Where's this going to be saved? How is it regulated? How this information that has been put in there and then created afterwards? You know, who can, who can read this? That's definitely one of the biggest concerns always. Instead of how is it going to be in the future? <laughs> like what's where What are going to be the capabilities in five years? Uh, um, while well, everyone's here just currently, uh, talking a lot about, uh, the data that is entered there. I think, I don't believe that their regulations would be that tough that ChatGPT will be, uh, or OpenAI would be um, asked to stop serving the, uh, you know, put down their service or anything. I don't think so. This would be, that's what would be very weird. But um, I think it would be actually a good thing if it's like, if there are some rules how the data is going to be used. I think every day
1: here in the US anyway, you hear um, that the head of OpenAI pleading for rules he's like we we want to have guidelines on this we do not want to, this to be wide open it's too important for that and uh which is is so unusual for someone in his position to be begging for regulation but it, regulation is going to be so tough to do because people have to understand I mean it's you know, we, we're, the, we're well we're still going down the same road with cryptocurrency and it's mm-hmm. like understand you know getting regulation. For something that is is pretty tip, difficult for people who are making decisions to um, to understand, and AI is just like it, it's like a whole other level out there. It seems like
2: one of the issues that we especially um, have here in Germany is that we like the, the internet infra- infrastructure is actually not that great. There's so many, like uh, almost all of the countries around Germany, they have better internet infrastructure, which is also one of the reasons why I believe. That uh, so many kind of lack a little bit about you know understanding how certain things work. There's like a famous, uh, famous quote from uh, like Angela Merkel a few years where she said three or four years ago, like the internet is just very new to all of us. Three or four years ago, guys, it's around there for 20 years. It's not that new. Now imagine if you have the same people that had such a hard time understanding that we need better internet infrastructure to work on regulations for ai this is just getting so out of hand like from the um momentum that it has right now i i, I i'm waiting here with my bucket of popcorn and, and, and wait to see how these regulations are going to be created how's this how is this going to work who's going to do this how, how long will it take because it will take after yes. to 2050 to have a, a working a train infrastructure here so
1: yeah, that's it's really an interesting quote about the internet it's, yeah it's like but but yeah when the internet came out it's like do we tax it do we not tax it yeah. here in the u.s i mean they're just like you know so many people just didn't really understand what it was and then smartphones came out and it's like okay how's this going to change things and of course kids are on, on a whole different level i mean they're on a whole different track it's like how how do they know how to do this kind of stuff i mean it, anyone that that needs some it help you know anyone that has kids already has that built in to a certain degree out there um that the rest of us don't hey i really appreciate you taking a little bit of time here to talk about this because i I always like talking about storytelling i like like hearing about what ai is how ai is influencing other parts of the world and also talking about startups, because so many people that we're talking about here are really um, interested in doing startups. So where can people um, find out more information about what it is that you're up to?
2: You can find it at uh, hyperate.io, or you can always uh, check on Mylington. <laughs> There's lots of information. Okay.
1: And it's it's hyperate, H-Y-P-E-R-A-T-E.io, yes. right? Yes. Okay, yeah, we'll put we'll put links in there. But no. Thank you. Thanks for all the listeners. Listening to the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games. Create jobs. Change lives. Thanks again.
0: Andrikya.
2: Thanks for having me. It was it was so great. Thank you.
0: Great. Thanks. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded and so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at gamerschangelivespodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks for listening.